a musician simply plays music and it can be nice. It can be nice to listen to, but a worship leader is one who leads people in worship so that the, the way that you're playing the, the music is not the end. It's not about the music. It's about the worship and the music simply serves such that you can worship. And to me, that's how the music at the mass ought to be. Welcome back to another episode of Open Door Policy. I am your co-host, Emily Mentock, and super excited to be joined today by... The other co-host, Father Patrick Daniel. How's it going, Emily? It's going great, Father Patrick. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask on. the first question this time. Um, we, we're recording this. It's Thanksgiving next week. What's something you're grateful for right now? Oh, goodness. Right now, something I'm grateful for is uh, not to sound like a holy roller, but the like, greatest desire in my life is uh, I'm in my ninth year as a priest and the greatest desire in my life is just to keep knowing the Lord more and more and more. It's like, I just, just want to keep knowing the father, son, and Holy spirit, uh, falling in love with God. And then, and then out of that place of love, giving everything, but it's just amazing. I think it's the grace of the vocation. Um, like you just don't get tired of, of pursuing the greatest good. In your vocation like the, to love god with all your heart mind soul and strength and i want i wonder emily goodness sakes it, i should just ask you the question right back but i think about be, you being in the sacrament of marriage like whoa as you love the lord with all your heart mind soul and strength pursuing that how that affects just the day-to-day -day life like look at all this love i got to give you honey in our sacrament of marriage <laughs> right but that i'm so grateful that, that god continues to be great so merciful to stir my heart uh, that, that God is my passion. That's, that's what I want most. And Lord, just everybody out there, give, give all of us, let us keep hungering and thirsting for the, the gift of your presence. Emily, what's something you're grateful for these days? Wow. Well, I mean, I feel like I have to follow up with being grateful for my husband after mm. you just teed me up like that. <laughs> no. uh, I'm, I am definitely, you know, I'm a big kind of community person. I'm an mm. extrovert. I love connecting yeah. with other people. Um, that's one of the things I love about getting to do this podcast. And so, you know, especially in times when things are challenging, whether it's just work or life, you know, we've talked um, mm. last week a bit about, yeah, sometimes people are just struggling and um, just mm -hmm. grateful for the people who can be provide that reassurance. Um, so I have a couple of friends that I've made here in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, of course my husband who can pick me up on a hard day and I'm yeah. really grateful for that in particular, that there's that reminder that we're all connected. And, um, yeah. I had a mentor once who talked about, um, about the nudges of grace wow. from having other people in your life, you know, whether it's other Christians mm -hmm. or just other people, whoever God's working toward to kind of nudge you back to him, to that Beautiful. love. Um, yeah. and what a great gift it is to, to have people in your life who can do that. So I love it. Praise the Lord. And, and not to go on and on and on, uh, in our, in our catch up, but as, as we're thinking about being grateful and we're in the month of November, we are on this, uh, five year anniversary. Yes. of Synod 16. And Emily, I think your ministry, like you're part of the wave of the grace of Synod 16 with Edmundo coming and the story of you coming along and meeting Edmundo. And uh, I am, I'm thoroughly excited about what God's doing in the Archdiocese of Detroit. We see great signs the whole way through and uh, just believing for more to come, tons more to come. How about you? Yeah, that you're so right. Something that's been clear to me from even before I, I thought once about coming to Detroit, 
um, kind of being an outsider looking in that it's so clear that the Holy Spirit is working here. <laughs> it's Amen. it's truly incredible. Yeah. Um, whether it's through, you know, yeah, some of the more AOD led efforts, like putting together the magazine, telling people stories or yeah. um, like reading Detroit Catholic articles yeah. about it, but even just being yeah. here and meeting people and seeing really how at every level there is mm -hmm. truly the movement of the Holy Spirit in Southeast Michigan. And what a, a what a beautiful opportunity that, that on the five-year anniversary that we're coming up on right now mm -hmm. and, and after this um, podcast comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks after, but um, to reflect on that and to renew yeah. our just sort of like commitment to being part of that movement, our yes. openness to the spirit working here. It's just a great opportunity to reflect on all those things and give thanks to God for them. Yeah. And to anybody out there who's listening, who hasn't checked out the Unleash the Gospel magazine, uh, this isn't just company speak, company lines, like that magazine, which you can access online, unleashthegospel.org is phenomenal. It's uh, the, the articles and the stuff being written and the local authors, those from outside the diocese, it's just a treasure. Every issue is a treasure of awesome faith formation and inspiration content, truly. I promise I'm not paying Father Patrick to say that. Who's <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're super grateful. Well, Hey, we're yes. also grateful and excited Woo. for our guest today um, for Open Door Policy. It's someone you know, someone who I'm excited to meet. Yes. Um, and I have a feeling this is going to be quite a musical episode. Uh, so yes. three fun facts about our uh, guest today. Before he was a musician, which he is now, he was an aspiring artist and dreamt of becoming a cartoonist. So a lot of creativity going on in there. We know that, you know, God is a creator. So it's super excited to meet someone who can kind of embody that creator as a cartoonist or as a musician um, and see how that's playing out in his life now. And then before he wanted to be a cartoonist, he actually wanted to own a hot dog, hot dog stand or an ice cream truck. Yes. Uh, super fun. You love hot dogs and ice cream as a kid. You want to be the one who's handing oh that out to other people. Um, and then third fun fact, I love this one. He loves life with a burning passion. My gosh, like people with passion for life. Those are the best kinds of people. Those mm. are people who are setting the world on fire. So we are so excited today to welcome to Open Door Policy, Josh Ross from St. Anastasia and Troy. Welcome, Josh. Hello. So happy to be here with you. Thank you for coming on today, Josh. Really, we're thrilled to have you. And I'll let the cat out of the bag. This is, I'm not just flattering you, brother. That won't do any of us any good but honoring you. You are one of my absolute favorite uh, Catholic singer songwriters, like the gifts on your life are powerful. So to put you on the spot, and then we're gonna have a lot of fun here. Can you sing that hallelujah, you know that I love? Can you just sing it? How did I know that you were gonna ask oh me Oh my gosh, it? is the guitar nearby? I just- Well, my piano is right here. Uh, so I can actually play, <laughs> play a little bit this for you, so. I usually play this right before communion, like right as the, the father is like bringing down the host. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
something like that. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. Can we please use that as the intro? Intro, Ron, can we work that in? Episodes from here on Brilliant. out, like is the opening for Unleashed Gospel. Yeah, Josh, surprise, it's a concert. Josh, we can't wait to hear your story, brother. How did you come to, to know the Lord? Whew, that's quite an adventure. Um, well, I was definitely raised, both my parents are believers. So I'm extremely grateful for, for my parents for raising me. And then I went to a Catholic school uh, growing up, which was a great experience. Though I think it was really for me when I really, really started to come into the faith fully was eighth grade when I was getting ready for confirmation. I remember having to write, and Peter was my chosen name. Uh, and the funny story about that is I accidentally, I meant to choose Paul and I accidentally chose Peter. Like, anyway, my, my brother ended up choosing Paul for his, his name. So I chose Peter. Um, and Peter is very man, much a man after my own heart. I very much relate with Peter and his like, his desire to just go all in and let's be excited. And then like making mistakes, oops, maybe I shouldn't have done that thing. And so Peter is, mm -hmm. it, was, it was great learning about Peter and really studying him and writing a whole paper about him as I was getting ready for confirmation. And mm. I wrote also a, an essay about the temptation of Jesus in the desert. And my dad to this day will still show all types of people, wow. anyone who will, who will listen, like this was my, my son's essay that he wrote when he was going for confirmation Whoa. about um, Jesus's temptation in, in the desert. And I definitely felt the Holy Spirit coming through that, that whole period leading up to my confirmation. And I think that really set the stage for me to really pour deeper and deeper into my faith. Um, and it just so happened that it was around that same time and when I was about 12, 13 years old, that music became more and more of a priority in my life. And it became clearer. Mm. Like, so when I was 13 years old, I literally knew exactly what God wanted me to do. I was like, I'm going to be a musician and this is what's wow. going to happen. And like literally the life I'm living today wow. is like exactly what I dreamed about when I was 13 years old. That's amazing. <laughs> so few people can say that. That's so cool. Wow. Uh, so then what did you do? Like, you know, we've talked before how that, you know, once you've like kind of received that mission from God, that calling that in the, in the Bible, people always, they go and make haste, they take that action step. So once you're like, okay, God, I can feel your spirit, you know, working in me, I feel called to music. Like, did you then, you know, start to, to learn? Did you already know how to be a musician? Did you take that into high school? Did you study music in college? Um, how did you start living out that call once it was clear to you when you were just, you know, 12 or 13? So I, Think that I first got interested in music when I was three years old. So my sister was taking piano lessons and my parents saw that I was interested. So I, they, they started getting me lessons. Now I, I stuck with it for like six months because I wasn't really necessarily able to stick with anything at that point. And the funny thing is I, I quit piano lessons probably like three or four times over the years. And it's funny because because oh. now I, I have a music school where we teach music lessons. And, and, and you know, sometimes parents are concerned if like the kid loses interest and it's like, I quit piano, piano lessons like three or four times over the years. And this is what I do as, as a, as wow. a career. And I think that that's just, that's the journey of life is God mm. takes you in so many different directions. Um, and it was actually pretty funny when I was 10, when I wanted to quit piano lessons and I was 10, cause I, I started learning guitar when I was 10. Um, I was nine and I told my dad, I really want to be able to play guitar. 
And he's like, well, son, you know, I think it, you need to let your hands grow a little bit. And he was smart. He was smart because he knew that I wasn't practicing ah. much. He was like, let me see you practice mm. the piano for a year and then and then I'll get you a guitar. So I did actually ah. start practicing the guitar. Uh, sorry, practicing the piano. And then he saw that I was actually serious about it. So he got me a this awesome red guitar. I, I still have the guitar. In fact, my sister made a painting of the wow. said red guitar. Um, wow. <laughs> but anyway, so then I, I got a guitar when I was um, 10 and I started, my dad got me guitar lessons and it was so awesome. I fell in love with the instrument. And shortly after I lost interest in all interest in piano. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do piano anymore. So my mom made me call up my piano teacher and tell him that I was quitting. So that was quite a challenge. But, you know, I think that my parents played a huge role in that whole process of me finding music, you know, because they were very, my, my parents are not musicians at all, but they were very supportive of this whole musical journey. They were very much getting music lessons for me all throughout the, the years. And they invested in all types of musical opportunities for me. I got to go to Blue Lake. And, and like, we would go to like, I remember we went to Mr. B's and we were just like eating food. And there was like some guitarist up there. My dad's like, hey, you should go ask him if you could play his guitar. And I was like, oh, dad. But then I ended up doing it. So I went up there and I said, hey, can I sing a song? <laughs> and so, we, oh, oh my so, gosh. Said, so here's me, some like, 13 or 14 year old kid like at this bar and it's like playing this guy's guitar and singing. And then another time we were at like a, a ski lodge sitting this time there was a band playing again. My dad's like, Hey, you should go ask him if you can go. So like this, this was like my whole life experience, which were like my parents would like encourage me and nudge me a little bit. And there was all types of opportunities, even as a young kid that I had to, get up on stage and then at my at my catholic school holy name um they did something called a declamation contest which was awesome which is well you had to you mm. had to give a speech in front of your class and they made it a whole competition with the whole school huh. um so every year i would i would kind of um practice for hours and hours and hours and hours with my dad so we, we would spend all this time going back and forth and refining um and and every year I would get to go in front of the whole school and recite, you know, said speech. And it, I got really, really comfortable on stage and speaking in front of people. So it was all these little things that my parents did by investing in me, by you know, getting music lessons, by nudging me, that I got really, really comfortable on stage and I felt at home there. I just felt natural. And then, you know, as it pertained to the church, like my mom had a pastor friend, and, and so I got to start playing at you know, his church when I was, again, 13, 14, 15 years old. So like wow. for years and years and years, I was playing at just various churches as a young teenager. Wow. And, and that gave me the opportunity, the confidence. I learned about different types of music. I started playing guitar at Holy Name. Wow. And I think it was just one step at a time that built upon it, it, itself. And with teaching, when I was 13, I literally was like, oh, I think I want to teach guitar. Like I could just do what my teacher does. And, and so my dad mm -hmm. and I made a, um, a little flyer a, a, and we printed it on our home printer. We went to the local ice cream shop, uh, wow. TCBY at the time, and we put it up. And that's how I started getting my first couple students. <laughs> it was that's amazing. Um, wow. Awesome. You know, the, the passion you have for for the gift of music, which you you'd utilize as the music director now at St. Anastasia, and you've been doing work, you've been leading worship stuff for years that I've come across. It, it's awesome. And uh, and to see you get fired up as you talk about it, it's, it's so clear that like it is, it is a passion of your heart. And I wonder, Josh, when you were, you mentioned that phase when you were, you were having this sense, like, this is what I want to do around 12, 13, you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was around that time you were going to get confirmed as well, right? Yes. 
And, uh, and so at the time you're being confirmed, which the church says is the grace of Pentecost, <laughs> um, that literally in the catechism of the Catholic faith teaches that they, they it says, sat, yeah, ha, ha. <laughs> it does <laughs> say, yeah, no, I'm a lady. So I'm it, just teasing. the grace of, I love jokes just when they're not about me. <laughs> so the whole thing about like, it, it perpetuates the grace of Pentecost. And so when you look at your love of music and the gift of the Holy spirit, when you were confirmed, do you, when you look back out, do you see like, do you see, do you like, yeah, like God totally put his momentum through the Holy spirit into my life in this passion for music? hundred percent. Yeah. Without a doubt. Ah, it comes across. Gosh, I'm sorry. I'm so wordy, but it's just like, Oh, I love to parse it. Like, look at this thing. Hey, one of the most wonderful times I heard you sing was with your wife. Tell us about your, your family, man. What it's like to be a joyful missionary disciple who's a husband and father. Mm, fantastic question. Well, I'm very thankful to have a wife who is is musical. It's actually funny. So um, we played together for a funeral earlier today. Um, someone we know, Tom Ballow. I know his wife, Marianne. Um, we've known them for many years from St. Anastasia. And it was such a blessing to be able to play at the, the funeral and to be there in that way. And she had, Marianne had specifically requested if Leah could sing with me. And so it was such a joy to be able to sing with Leah and to be there. Cause like the, the challenge of having kids is when we're with the kids, like they're, you know, we're at mass together and they're all kind of like jumping around and, you know, you're like hoping to God that you could hear what the priest is saying, at least get like every <laughs> five words. Um, and, you know, with being the music director, you know, during the weekend masses, obviously I'm, I'm playing, I'm up there. And so I'm playing the music. Meanwhile, I'm seeing Leah and my boys like struggling <laughs> in the pews. And I'm just like praying. And, and then my little son, Xavier, would be like, da, da, da. And sometimes he'll almost want to, you know, run to the piano. But anyway, it's been such a blessing to be able to sing with mm. Leah. And I was so happy we could share that together. And we were able to just wow. be fully, fully there at the mass. And my sister and my mother-in-law were with uh, the boys there at the mass, the funeral mass today. So it's, it's definitely a blessing to be able to share the gift of music with my wife. And we used to make these videos on YouTube, uh, and Facebook where we, we would sing together. We did these awesome duets and we did, um, popular songs. We did a, a few songs from Les Miserables. Uh, now that we have kids though, we, uh, there's not as much time to like, cause we, we would go like all out. Like I would use my really nice camera and we'd get all these nice angles and there'd be, mm. uh, you, you'd get to see all the different instruments playing throughout. And, and now with kids, it's like, we, that's, it's tough to make time for that. So what we've done is we've, we've made a couple of videos, which is like, yeah. we do like one take and we might even have one of the babies uh -huh. with us. <laughs> uh, right, beautiful. which is more, that's fun and wholesome anyways. <laughs> mm. um, you know, Josh, it's so clear, you know, your passion for music, your passion for the Lord and, and leading music in um, here in the archdiocese at your parish. Um, but there's for, for those of us who are, you know, maybe not musical creators, there's something still so powerful about music, especially in worship when you're a participator, when I, like when I'm being led by someone like you, who is, um, like earlier, even in this podcast with the, with the hallelujah that you performed, like I'm being moved and I'm not even the one, you know, who's singing it. So what have you seen, you know, in your years, it sounds like you started leading, getting up on stage at a, at an early age in, in that witness and that sort of like putting forth and leading through through your music, what are, what is it like to then see if people responding to that, to participate in that worship through what you're creating, you know, for the Lord there? So I do think that there is very much a distinction between just a musician or someone who plays music and a worship leader. Whoa. And 
talk to us more about that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that that's been a huge thing that I've been wanting to play, you know, here at San Anastasia. So it's interesting. So I started playing for the five o'clock mass at San Anastasia, which is the more contemporary mass. We play contemporary music, praise and worship style. And I started that seven, it was seven years and seven months, um, before I got the promotion. So I was there for in March of 2014 or whatever, whatever the year was. Um, but anyway, I was really enjoyed leading the music there. And it was great because people were really into singing the music. Um, and then seven years and seven months, I got the promotion to music director. But anyway, um, coming back to difference between a musician and a worship leader is a musician simply plays music and it can be nice. It can be nice to listen to but a worship leader is one who leads people in worship so that the, the way that you're playing the, the music is not the end. It's not about the music. It's about the worship Ooh. and the music simply serves such that you can worship. And to me, that's how the music at the mass ought to be to lead people in worship. It's not about the music. It's not about the musician. It's not about how, how great we are or how nice my voice is or how whatever. It's about how great Jesus is. It's about leading people to that. That was amazing. I'm, I, I mean, so as someone who's, I mean, I've gone to mass, I've got the gather book basically memorized, right. Cause I've just been, you know, singing along all these years, but you're right. Cause there, like that helps put, you know, clarify so much that like the difference between when you go to a mass and you're singing along, cause someone's playing a hymn that we all know, and we're, you're singing along and someone who kind of has, for whatever reason, understands that difference of what does it mean to lead worship? It's not to perform music wow. or sing the notes. It's really to lead people to Jesus. And like you said, the music is not the end. That's just the way you described it. I mean, that was such a mic drop moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> Father Patrick and I were like processing it right yeah. now. I um, Father Patrick, you. what is the what does the Bible say about musicians? Why did you? Yeah, she knew. <laughs> I got it in my hand. So, oh my gosh, we're starting to know how to read each other's cues. Um, so, uh, Josh, in Psalm 100, I love that it's Psalm 100, the verse, the first and second verse. Shout joy. So I'm going to read it and just ask you a little question. Uh, shout joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Worship the Lord with cries of gladness. Come before him with joyful song. So the, the scriptures tell us, you know, to, to come before the Lord with joyful song. And then when Jesus says in John 4, uh, verse 23, that the hour is coming and is now here, when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. You spoke that mic drop moment when we wanted to rewind. Music serves the purpose to lead people into worship. If you, from your experience, uh, your own experiential knowledge of it too, could describe worship if from your perspective, like worship is, worship of God is, take it, Josh Ross. Yes, great question. Worship is is a full surrender to God. It's 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 like kneeling before him as a child and raising your arms up to him like a little child would to their their father or mother and say this is for you. It's like it's like a little 4-year-old making a drawing and they want to give it to their dad and say I made this for you. That's what worship is. Mm -hmm. mm. Josh, can I just give you a quick shout out for great biblical theology too? <laughs> the word the word um, worship in, in the Greek is proskuneo in that passage, John 4, 23. And like a great biblical resource, blueletterbible.org, which breaks open the Greek and the Hebrew says that, uh, you know, some of the fuller meaning of the Greek word proskuneo is, is to kiss the hand towards, you know, it's like a, it's an, it's an act of reverence or 
a token of reverence, a token of reverence, like the way that you just described it, like offering this gift to the Lord. Beautiful, brother. I love that. I love that it expands it. You know, when you're describing worship, you know, we think of praise and worship or, you know, mm -hmm. here and under the, the Unleash the Gospel Families of Parishes structure, music falls under worship, but that like, mm -hmm. how does that break out to the rest of us? And I think, you know, that ties back where you're saying, Josh, about how like it's leading people, it's leading others to Jesus as well through, through that work. And that, that, so then we can worship together, whether it's through song, through other parts of celebrating the mass. And there's something really beautiful and communal in bringing that gift or even on your own um, to to God in that way. Um, you know, one thing that we, we like to ask people on this podcast is what is their dream? Uh, and it can apply to your work or to your family life or to you personally. Um, but you know, as a person who loves life, right. One of the fun facts about you, and that is fun. And, and also someone who's clearly just able to bring more people to Jesus through the way you understand your ministry and what God has called you to, what is your dream for, uh, I guess for the next few years, we were just talking about the five-year anniversary of Synod 16 and the graces through that. So what's your dream for the next five years? I am very much a visionary. So I love a question of this nature. Mm -hmm. And, and whenever I dream, I like to, I like to kind of integrate it all. So I think about like my dream for myself, for my family, the church, the world. So I'll kind of present it from, from that vantage point. I think my dream, uh, I, I, I'll talk about the church and then I'll kind of relate that to, to myself. So I am so excited about what God is doing in the church right now and what is coming. You know, we've, we, this, the pandemic to me was a great, was it awful and terrible. We all would agree, but I think what it is doing, it is giving God an opportunity to unveil his grace and to show us what he has in store. And, and I believe that through music and through art and through the talents of those people who are already in the church, what we are going to see is unbelievable blessing. We are going to see the church grow like it has never grown. And not just in terms of more people oh. joining, but in terms of people coming and kneeling before Jesus in a way that they've never had before and surrendering. I really want to see people like worshiping God and not just on Sundays, but every right. single day, everywhere they are. I want to see people worshiping Jesus in their workplace, even if their workplace is like the most secular place in the world, even at the workplaces in a manufacturing plant, if their workplace is at home taking care of the kids, if their workplace is cleaning up at the, at a school, whatever their job may be, or being in, in the hospital system, whatever their job may be, that they are worshiping the Lord. And I just want to play whatever role I can through my you know skills and charisms and music and leadership to just make that happen. I want to see that the Catholic Church is leading that movement. I want to see us collaborating with Protestants, collaborating with people of other faiths and, and showing them through our witness and our love that there is something different about us. There is something unique about Jesus and through the way that we worship, through the way that we talk, through the way that we communicate. And I think that as a, that's like on a big picture level, but as on a practical level, I want to see families sticking together. I want to see people getting married and meaning it and staying together and seeing how joyful marriage can be. I want to see people entering into the religious life. I want to see brothers and sisters. I want to see priests. Everyone's talking about how there's going to be fewer and fewer priests. And, you know, we've had this whole family of parishes because we have to make up for the fact that there's going to be, no, 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 no. I think there's going to be an outpouring of more priests than ever have been. And we need to make the priesthood attractive because it is. 
It's amazing when you think about what it is. And so, so okay, I, mean, I could go deeper, but, um, and then I just want to just continue to grow in love with my wife and with my children and to see them change the world through their individual relationships. So that's just kind of like a little bit of a, of a nutshell. I could go on, but I'll stop. A little bit of a dream. That was a big dream. We love it. <laughs> You know, you, I feel like your, your conviction in that dream is so strong. Mm. It's, it's truly inspiring. Um, I wish that our listeners could see how fired up you're getting right there. Um, well, mm. you know, I wonder like you have probably, you know, been blessed with there, you have, there's a reason for that conviction. It's so clear. So maybe you could share with us, you know, what is the time where, where you saw that working? Is there, was there a moment in leading music or in doing worship at your parish or participating in it as in praise and worship or, um, in your family life? Like, can you give us an example of where you experienced, um, you know, sort of like that foreshadowing that of that vision that gives you the conviction you have now to state that dream for all to hear? Yes. Um, I, I have a few, I'll try to be as, as brief as I can. Um, so the first thing that came to mind is I remember, uh, again, when I was a teenager playing music at a church and someone came up to me afterward and he said, you know, I used to be an atheist and, and I've come oh. to believe, but when I listen to your music, you literally open something in my soul. And, and I was just like, I was not like that. Was just like, blew me away. Like, I didn't even know how to respond to that. Like that music can have that big of an impact on someone. And, and I think for me, like I used to be, you know, much more introverted. Like it was hard for me to talk with people, but especially that, you know, when I was like more into like the arts and behind the scenes stuff. Um, but when I got really into music and I got to see how music could be something that could be shared, it literally yeah. changed me as a person. And I became more confident. I got into theater. I, you know, started getting more and more speeches and I just felt I became a different person and I fell in love with people and God's creation. Um, I, another, another example, um, people ask me, so what was your favorite part of college? And um, for those of you who don't know, I went to the University of Michigan and great college. I, I enjoyed my time there, but you know what was my favorite time? When I was riding my bike through Ann Arbor <laughs> and there was this sense of just like freedom and, and it was, it was it was, it was amazing. And it was also great. So a lot of things happened, you know, while I was in college, like my sophomore year of college, I discerned the priesthood. So I was actually just mm. since I was 12, I was discerning the priesthood. And it was something always on my mind, like, is God calling me to be a priest, you know, uh -huh. and so it, it kind of started to reach kind of a, a climax my, my sophomore year of college and I, I really discerned and I saw there was a discernment weekend. So I said, you know, what? I'm not going to just go by myself. Mm. So I ended up getting like five or six other guys to come with me who were also discerning. And, and uh, I think it was Father Bernie, who was the vocations director at the time. He was very happy. <laughs> I brought all yeah. these guys with me. But it was so amazing, like being in the seminary and, and see, hearing the guys sing together and just being there mm. and being part of that routine. And it was so beautiful. And I was so thankful to be there. Um, and, and one of the guys there told me about, I had, I had never known that daily mass was a thing. I guess I should have known, but like I went on Sundays, but he talked to me about like daily mass is a thing. And it's like, it's, you know, shorter than a regular mass. And sometimes it's done in 30 to 40 minutes. I was like, okay. And so I, I, I found <laughs> out there was a, a church, St. Thomas there at, in Ann Arbor. And so like at, at you know, 6 30 AM, I'd be like running from my, um, 
apartment or my dorm and I'd be going to church there. And sometimes it would be like winter and really cold and I'd almost slip on the ice, but I would still go. And it was great. I loved going to those morning masses and just feeling that space and that time with God. And it was such a great way to start my day. Beautiful. Josh, if I had to describe, you know, your vision, what you, what you went through, and, and it's still overflowing as you share these encounters, these experiences, it would be, uh, it just comes to my heart. It's Luke 12, 49, when Jesus says, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Josh, you're just like, I just want to see everything on fire, <laughs> the church on fire. And good news is that people on fire catch others on fire and you are clearly on fire. I want to ask you, brother, we love on this five-year anniversary of of um, you know the synod in Unleash the Gospel, we love. I think it's pure gold. The Encounter Girl Witness Paradigm, and in worship, of course, we're encountering the Lord, and it's an opportunity to grow in our in our relationship with Him as well, and it's a witness as well. Uh, but a poignant, specific question is, what happens to you when you worship? And if you want to expand it out, like, well, this is what I think in general happens to people when they worship. But what happens? We talked about the offering that we make to God, but what happens to us? What happens to you, Josh Ross, when you worship? And, and if you want to expand it out to what happens to people when they worship, go for it. So there's a couple different categories of that because there's when I'm worshiping with people and when I'm worshiping mm. alone. And it's, you know, a little bit of a different experience. Like mm. I remember learning about the Adoration Chapel when I was uh, a senior in high school. I, that's when I started really getting involved at St. Anastasia. I started, I started oh, teaching catechism and it was awesome. Um, but I remember one of the, the catechism teachers there brought us to the Adoration Chapel at St. Anastasia. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. It's a great chapel. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I started going there and it was just like, man, this peace and just being able to surrender to, to the Lord. And, and sometimes the, the Eucharist would be exposed there and sometimes um, it wouldn't be. But that was, it was amazing just to be able to like sit in his presence and just feel him and and being able to surrender and all, i really like to journal so oftentimes i would bring a journal and mm. i would do a lot of writing and or i would read um other than music like one of my favorite hobbies is reading and my, my wife can attest to this i have like 20 books on my my bedstand right now i'm always reading mm, um awesome but so i love that private worship of just being able to surrender to god and let him speak to me like god like here's my schedule here's my priorities like it's up to you know they're in your hands and that's that's been it's a, it's an amazing experience being able to worship him in that way wow. um and in the mm -hmm. moments now when i'm leading worship like playing music it's it's a whole mm -hmm. another experience because i'm worshiping meanwhile other people are worshiping and i'm leading them in worship it's yeah. it's kind of otherworldly it's it's definitely a glimpse of heaven it's there we go <laughs> It's, I mean, there have been a few times when like I'm playing and when people are really, really singing and sometimes what I'll, and you've, you've experienced it sometimes Well, I'll be playing and singing and then I'll like back off the mic or I'll back off the piano and I'll like, I'll start playing really lightly and just like, or I'll even stop all together and just let people sing. And it, yeah. it is so powerful when people are just singing and worshiping the Lord. And, and, uh, and I love when people tell me I can't sing and I am singing really loudly anyway. Um, <laughs> some people think like I, I have oh. to have a good voice in order to be able to sing and worship. And I absolutely disagree. Like at, at San Anastasia, like I've, I've been building something I call the congregation choir. So we, we have a choir, but mm -hmm. I'm like the congregation choirs. Yeah. I need you, the people who are in the pews to be singing. And you could even yes. come early to mass and, and hear the music in advance, but I want you singing. Wow. And 
that that's what it's about. And, and, and if you can't oh, sing- Josh, that that's so for me, that's for me. I always, <laughs> I see now we have a tiny congregation and, uh, uh, our music director here, Joe, he's like, Oh, Emily, like you should join the choir. Cause I sing loudly from the pews. I'm like, no, I am a congregation singer. I am responding to how you're leading. And that that's for me. Yeah. And, that, oh, and that's a really hey, Josh, important role. Yeah. Hey, Josh, quick follow-up question. I'm going to, I'm going to loop it back to, uh, Emily brother, just your opinion. Saint August, Saint Augustine, the famous saying, "The one who sings prays twice." But before I go there, I love how you you covered like adoration, speaking to the Lord. And the Catholic Church and the Catechism lays out the three major forms of prayer: vocal prayer, meditation, and contemplation. So coming before the Lord and pouring out our hearts is worship. We don't always have to be singing. Well, that's wonderful. And there's revelation flowing when we worship. I, I you highlighted that so beautifully. The revelation, got to journal that stuff down. Woo, value what he says. And then the singing part, the question I wanted to ask you is, what do you think, what, what do you think, why do you think Augustine said, the one who sings prays twice? I, I think that singing is very vulnerable. Of all the musical instruments mm -hmm. you can possibly play, singing is the most, because like, okay, it's a guitar, I can say the guitar is out of tune, or the guitar mm -hmm. is broken, or, <laughs> oh, this is a, a bad guitar, or this piano is whatever. But if it's my voice, it's like that's connected to me. And so when you're singing, it's a very vulnerable place of being. And you could say it's easier if someone's a good singer, sure. But it's still a vulnerable because I'm like, I'm just like, I'm putting it out there. And even if it's if I'm alone, just singing, there's still like this vulnerability of I am singing out loud. Mm. And and I think too, like when you're singing, usually you're holding out the notes a little bit longer. So you're 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 pondering more on the specific words that are coming out of your mouth. So if, if I just say our father who art in heaven versus our father who art in heaven, like I'm, I have to really ponder each syllable and each word and the cadence of it as I'm singing it, where if I'm speaking it, it doesn't necessarily require as much. I, I don't know if that fully answers your question. I, I relate to that a lot. I think there's something that you're giving of yourself, like you said, in an even more vulnerable way, like, and you're putting like your full ability and especially when you really can get into it, whether you're a good singer or not. And like, it's coming from deeper within you, right. Than just your voice, giving the mass responses. You have to think about what you're doing. How is my voice moving? What am I saying? You become more aware of what other people are doing and they're singing so you can worship together. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're, you're like totally nailed it. Um, in my totally unprofessional experience, we're relating to what you said about, uh, yeah, that like you're praying twice because you, there's something that kind of goes deeper and more personal and that like if our faith is a is a free and personal response to god then singing is like mm. the most personal and free response you can give even when you're following a worship leader you're adding your own voice to that as our worship sh should be in a community so i think that was a great answer and I, relatable to me as not a musician um, Josh, we are so grateful for you coming on this podcast, sharing your enthusiasm for life yes. and worship and music and your family and all the amazing good things that, um, that God has blessed you with. So, mm -hmm. um, we're so grateful for your time and, um, uh, any final words before we close in prayer and then maybe we can have, um, why don't you lead prayer actually, Josh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to start it, start it off. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, maybe at some point in the future, I may be back. Um, yeah. I would just like to encourage anyone who is listening that get involved in mass, get involved mm. at your church. And again, if you're afraid of singing in church, 
sing louder. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. it's okay. Like it, it is wonderful to hear people worshiping and, and to, again, singing is about surrendering. It's, it's okay. Like, believe it or not, those people who are good singers are actually more insecure about their voices, believe it or not. So mm. don't think that, oh, those people who are better singers are like, we're just as insecure as you are. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's such a good point. My, you know, or even if, you know, even if the music, maybe someone at the parish is like, it, they're just, they're just performing the music, right. Instead of leading worship. Cause you know, I mean, every, sometimes it's better than others, the music, or it's more inspiring than others. When you go to different parishes and different masses, just being mm. honest. I remember I would complain about the music at my parish and I was growing up. My mom was like, okay, then you can go join the choir. You can go sing. <laughs> like if you, if you have a problem with how it sounds, then you need to sing, sing it differently. And so, well, and then that's what I did. So thank you again, Josh, um, for sharing those final words to a call to call to action for our joyful missionary disciples, uh, leading to this podcast or listening to this podcast. Awesome. Uh, thank you, God, for, for bringing us, um, together. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for all the people who are going to encounter you through this message, um, through any of the things that I sang earlier today. Uh, we pray that you may just may bring your spirit even more into the church and inspire people to hear the call that you have for them, wherever you are calling them, whatever charisms you have placed upon them, that they may discover them, they may hear your call and use those gifts for the church. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to another episode of Open Door Policy, where we tell the stories of different joyful missionary disciples around Southeast Michigan and how they have encountered, grown, and witnessed to their faith. You can find more podcasts just like this at unleashthegospel.org forward slash podcast or subscribe to Open Door Policy on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.